further down out of their way. So it's like look like everything else. Uh, it's it's ABC. You know, yeah. I always you know you sort the airway out, yeah. sort the compressions out, and then we'll get to the IO stuff. You know, yeah. Um, uh, I know a, a colleague in the National Ambulance was, was telling me before when it came to like intubation and you know an AP is trying to intubate and he's like okay stop pushing on the chest and they're like oh, no I'm not I keep going you can get the airway if you get the airway but I'm you know so they'll they'll die of patients die from lack of ventilation and oxygenation not lack of intubation you know yeah. so yeah yep that's look if poser comes with comes with Hey, you're listening to the Rush the Bus podcast. I'm Pete. And I'm Julie. We're both paramedics, we're partners, and we work in Brooklyn. And we love hearing other EMS folks tell their stories and what it's like to work in their system. Thanks so, for listening. Yeah, thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy it. Rush the Bus, behind the 744 Case Avenue, I'm 750 Case Avenue. Usually over, over here, it's, uh, it's like an oven outside, it's oh, 20. Two twenty-three degrees. Irish people are not used, generally used to this heat, you know. So, <laughs> yeah, I just came back. I had to run out to the store real quick, and I got back and I like sent a picture of myself looking all haggard at Peter because I was just like, it's so bad out there right what, now. Just, degrees. What are you talking about? Yeah, but it's like a hundred percent humidity. So. Just that 20-minute walk, I was, like, dripping sweat. I'm, like, ordering myself coffee, and the woman is taking so long. Oh, no, Simon, where'd you go? Uh, I hear you. I don't see you, though. I'm a bit of a technical. Ah, there we go. There we go. Yeah, I'm not so <laughs> good with tech. No, it's okay. Technical difficulties. But, yeah, the, the woman was very pleasant, but she was taking an awfully long time, and I'm standing there in my mask, like, drenched in sweat. <laughs> Hoping that she would like speed it up a bit. Mm. So, oh, first it was, uh, it's uh, it's fairly warm and humid over here. Now we wouldn't be generally used to this this kind of heat. Like I said, even it's six o'clock in the evening over here, and it's twenty two, twenty three degrees outside. So it's uh, definitely alien territory for us, you know. Yeah, I feel like years ago I went over to England when. It was like 1999 or something and it was August like this time of year and you know it had been so warm in New York and then when I was there I was wearing like basically a sweatshirt or a sweater or a jumper I think you all say over jumper, there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the whole time it was just so cold you know compared to New yeah York. like literally this time uh, three weeks ago it was raining sideways and like 12, 10, 12 degrees outside cold, so you'd have wow. like a long sleeve. Yeah, you'd have definitely need long, long sleeves going out. But uh, now it's rather definitely un unseasonal. Like we had this, we had good weather back in uh, back in May. Usually we get our our, our Irish summer generally around the the uh, end of April, start of May. Like the weather will be the sun will be yeah the sun will, sun will be out. It'll be really warm, and then kind of June, July. Like June, July, we're pretty miserable here. So. Um, huh. But even at that today, it was very hot and humid, but it wasn't necessarily sunny all day, you know, which is, uh, yeah. look, it's not raining, so. Yeah, <laughs> that's only the part when it doesn't rain, so. It is, it is. It's generally, like, uh, as I say, it was raining up to, raining up to, up to last week, and uh, it's scheduled to rain, uh, scheduled to rain the weekend and Sunday next week. So look, if you, some people say, if you like the Irish weather, just give it 20 minutes. If you don't like the Irish weather, give it 20 minutes, it'll change. Mm. You know? it, it's very, very. Do you have air conditioning at your house? Uh, no, no. Generally, you don't need it. Um, ah. Even even now, like I have a uh, an old shitty office fan, kind of yeah. uh, just for summer. But generally, no, we don't. Uh, I have it like most cars will have it a standard now, yeah. um, and uh, we I'll use it quite a bit in the car. Like uh, luckily enough, the uh, the vehicle we had today in work has is fairly new, so it has uh -huh. air conditioning. Okay, but as Stand like we have a brand new ambulance. It's less than uh, what? How old would it be now? Three months old, maybe. But it doesn't have air conditioning in it. So. Oh wow! Yeah. Oh hell no! <laughs> so, yeah, I think I, got I, out of service, bro. Just, yeah. just, just, just to clarify, it, it has air conditioning in the patients, uh -huh. uh, patient saloon in the back. Yes, yeah. the crew cab doesn't have it. You can no. feed it in. From you can feed it into events, but it's not the same as you know. Yeah. Uh, now, manufacturing. Yeah, oh. we will go and we'll put like a ton of trucks out of service, 
and we'll go with a spare if you don't have air in the front. It like, doesn't come with it. The vehicle doesn't come with it. What? Wow. My yeah, gosh. yeah. Uh, it's wow. an option. That would be yeah, wow. Uh, yeah. No. no, sorry, not that it doesn't come with it. They just, for some reason, they don't. They never seem to select the option. Same with the wow. Ford trucks. None of the Ford, yeah, none of the Ford trucks that we have have air conditioning. Hmm. Yeah. So if you go out like in Western US, they put um, like RV camper uh, air conditioners on the top of the fire trucks, and then they're plugged in, like in like uh, Arizona and yeah. Nevada, they're already plugged in. So when you get in the truck, it's already like rigid inside yeah. the truck. Air condition in Dublin Fire Brigade is you open all the windows and just drive yeah. faster. <laughs> it's funny yes. how, I mean, I feel like when I grew up, that was it. My dad never had cars that had air conditioning. And we would drive every summer. We would go on like a six-hour long road trip without air conditioning. We'd just have the windows open. And now I don't even want to be in my car for like the 20-minute ride to work without air conditioning because it's yeah. just so it's humid. Like I've, I've, I've been in New York in uh, peak summer. It is. It's unbearable, the humidity and the heat. You know? We generally don't need, We generally don't get it that bad over here. So, no, you wouldn't really have it in. You wouldn't really have AC in a house. You know? Some people probably might, but as uh, as standard, no, you, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't see it, you know? Yeah. I mean, so. I guess, yeah, if it's not horrible... You know, like even yeah. I mean, when we went on vacation, there was the homes that we stayed in never had air conditioning because they were right on the water and they never got that. I mean, even if they got humid, there was still a good breeze. Yeah. And so no one had air conditioning. But as we got older and more, I don't know, uh, <laughs> like snobbish, we were like, Needy. we need we need to stay in a house with a central air conditioning, even though I don't have that in my own home. I, I'm sitting in my bedroom because I have air conditioning here, but I don't in the rest of my apartment. And it's horrible today. So uh, to look no like I'm not yeah. soaking wet, I yeah. felt like I should probably <laughs> yeah. sit in the air conditioning. We <laughs> went to the ambulance station. We by appreciate my you house. made an effort. Yeah, we went to the <laughs> ambulance station yesterday. It was hot. And she's like, we need to go. Like, she was dying. <laughs> I know. I, mean, I hate, I hate that humidity. I'll, like, yeah, I'll open all the windows. Open, And in my apartment, every room has a window, which is like, it seems like it should work that well, but they all face the other side of the building because yeah, the way yeah, my yeah. building is set up, it's old. And so there is no air. Like you open these windows and there's nothing, just, the sunlight. Yeah. So the light is nice, but there's literally no airflow at all. So, so you call the back of the ambulance a saloon? Is that what you call it? Uh, that's what that's what it says on the, how would I say, on any of the, any of the controls. Uh, okay. Uh, in built from uh, so our ambulances are all uh, Mercedes uh, chassis and then right. they're sent off to a company here in Ireland who retrofit them out with the with the box and that's literally what so if you uh, how do I say we push on we've light control in the front of it and it just yeah. says saloon like we just call the back of the ambulance the back of the ambulance okay um, do you guys have like a favorite ambulance manufacturer where you're like this is the Cadillac or they're all the same they're all the same. So um, probably uh, we had the first kind of, so the thing, um, what you're saying about before about uh, the, the the stretcher and yes. the the tail lift and the reason all the ambulances here are yellow. So there's a, they all meet a European standard. I forget exactly what it's called, but basically okay. every, every ambulance in Europe has to uh, comply with a certain standard. Um, okay. So they all have to be yellow. Um, they all have to have a uh, a tail lift, uh, and they all have to have a stretcher with a five point harness on them as well. So um, we used to have uh, white ambulances, which were much lighter. So you didn't you could drive them on a car license. Uh, so all the licensing over here in in Ireland is is done by weight. So once the vehicle goes over a certain weight, okay. Uh, so I think it's three and a half tons. You need a different license. Uh, oh to to drive it yeah so um so you need the same license to drive a fire truck as you do to drive drive the ambulance okay. uh, so they changed i think it was uh oh, i can't remember would have been 2006 2007 these started maybe maybe a little bit before these started coming on stream um so uh before that they would have had like your your striker yellow uh stretcher which just had the kind of the strap across the the waist the strap yeah. across the legs uh, but um, when this European standard came out, that's when we had to have the tail lift. You had to have the 
stretcher with the kind of hydraulic lift on it. Yeah. Um, it's all manual handling, saving your back, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, but as well, the stretcher has to have the five point harness uh, that comes over the shoulder. So okay. if the ambulance is in uh, a, a crash on the way to the hospital with a patient in the back, uh, even in cardiac arrest, that the patient is secured. So the way the harness, five point harness is designed, uh, it kind of comes across higher up on the chest. So okay. the Lucas device or your manual CPR, your hands are not in the way of it, you know? Yeah. Um, and uh, they all have to they all have to have this uh, tail lift as well with the with the with a he- much heavier kind of stretcher in it as well yeah. like the one so not every ambulance in dublin has that big mega uh, yeah. stretcher that, that i sent you the picture of yeah. uh, most of them have the smaller one um but like that still uh itself i think it weighs you know over 100 kilos yeah it's not yeah we looked up the weight i think it's heavy yeah it's heavy yeah yeah not so it's not basically designed to be lifted at all yeah. the whole idea is you get the patient to the to the to the stretcher okay. and in into the ambulance so if you've got to carry over on even ground you're carrying on like a, a board or a scoop or a back mattress uh, okay. carry them to the to the uh it's not it's not even designed to go over uneven ground so we get an awful lot of uh sporting injuries here say on a sunday sunday morning sunday afternoon uh guys would be playing uh, football or soccer uh, uh <laughs> And uh, or Gaelic football or hurling, um, yeah, very very big, very common over here. Obviously not as much with, with COVID now, but uh, so quite common would be ankles, shoulder injuries, that kind of stuff. Um, but they're always out in the middle of the pitch. Yeah. So uh, the, on in the summer it's not too bad because the ground's fairly dry. You can kind of wheel it across. Yeah. Um, but in the winter time when it's kind of raining sideways, that ground is real body. Yeah. You gotta you gotta carry them off on a on a board or a scoop or something like that. Yeah. Wow. Um because you'll get your you'll end up getting the trolley bogged down because the, the trolley itself is so heavy and then you put all the gear on top. Yeah. You know? yeah. Hmm. It's but, uh, funny because it's supposed to save your back, but then for those type of calls you're actually, if anything, doing more work because you're you're traveling further while carrying someone. Yeah. Kind of, but I suppose again, we're uh, as I was saying to Pete the other night, we're very lucky, very spoiled here in Dublin with the amount of resources. Uh, so we wouldn't be lifting, we wouldn't be lifting some your average kind of twenty-year-old uh, football player uh, without uh, either a fire truck or if there's plenty of other guys around, give get them. You know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can't you two guys, two guys, two guys lifting uh, lifting a patient over a distance is just not. No, it's not practical. You know, you're going to hurt yourself, and then you're probably going to hurt him as well. So, yeah. um, that's why you're better off taking the time, getting the reason, getting the support and resources yeah. to give you a hand moving. You know? I think there's yeah. a whole uh, internet chain of videos of like football injuries on the field, where there's two people trying to carry the player, yeah, yeah, yeah. and they're like, you know, it's just awful, and the person's getting flipped off the stretcher. <laughs> I think there's like a yeah, whole. Yeah bunch of those kind of things so no you're 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 asking for trouble yeah we see most of uh we just grab one go ahead get him in the truck because you don't want to end up on those videos so it's just like yeah yeah, and that's look i suppose the the good part of social media is meeting people like yourselves and across the other side of the world doing the same job in in a different city um, but the bad side of it is, is that every kind of public call you go to now, um, even today, there's yeah. something on the street and uh, guys have, everybody has a video camera yep. on the yeah. phone. And it's not even like before, it's not even like 10 years ago where they would have had to go to another device to get it onto the internet and put it on Facebook or yes, or Bebo, yeah. wherever it was. It's literally instantaneous now. They can share it online from their phone and it's out yep. there forever, you know? Yep. Um, Yep. So that's the good and the good and the bad of uh, of social media, you know. Yeah, yeah. Because yep. we try to like, you know, like we have like newer people with us, and like we'll get you know like a shot for somebody outside. And the first thing like we like to do is just get him in the truck as quick yeah. as we can. Yeah. You know, we put him on oxygen and just get him in the truck and do everything else. You know, yeah. you don't. You know how many cameras are on and stuff, and who knows how quick they put that picture up or what where they started exactly. the yeah. thing. You know? You're in your own safe environment that you can yeah. control it. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's it's I say it's it's very very common. You'll often go to uh, go to a scene or go to a case, and then uh, half an hour later, an hour later, you get sent a WhatsApp uh, message of somebody that 
somebody that has videoed it and put it up on the internet, yeah? Wow. Yeah, because we have this thing called Citizen, and it, it like, alerts oh, yeah. you to, like, fires and stuff that's going around on, in your neighborhood. It's an phone. app on the phone. And a lot of times, like, people take video of you, and you never even saw them, and they're, like, out of the window, and it's better than the news. The video that yeah. they have yeah, you doing yeah. all your whole thing, and it's like wow. Yeah, like on on a big fire or on a gunshot, or if there was like a stabbing. High profile stuff, yeah. I know yeah, you know. like a neighbor who's looking out their yeah. window and. Yeah. And, and we have it because well, actually, it comes in over Citizen before the police are even dispatched, which is crazy. So yeah, you, know, I, you yeah. get like the heads up for good jobs, and you're like, I'm gonna start driving that way. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I'm not sure uh, how that ends up working. Here, yeah, it, I think it's whenever 911 is activated, and there's some delay. Obviously, uh, I guess because whoever picks up first, then they sort of like adjust who needs that call, EMS or fire. Yeah. So if it's a, a gunshot, they start, I guess, typing it up. And so prior to it getting to EMS, it might take two minutes, but you sort of know about it because it's already on there. Sometimes some of the kind of the more violent stuff like stabbings and gunshots. Uh, come to the the guardie, the Irish cops, before yeah. they come into forest service. So uh, where we work, our our local, we work in a place called Finglas, and uh, Finglas Forest Station is literally across the road from Finglas Garda Station. Uh, so sometimes, you know, middle of the day or night, you'll hear their place light up with cars going out. Yeah, you know, ten or twelve. Yeah, so you know, yeah. so you you just give it kind of you know. A minute or two, and next of all, our, our bells will go off at the same yeah. instant, you know. For if, if it's in, sometimes it's not, you know. Yeah. But um, it's kind of a running joke when you hear a fleet of cop cars go by uh, with lights and sirens, so maybe it could be going to something now in a second, you know. Do they have guns? Uh, yes and no. So the the rank and file guardy uh, on the streets, so your, your, your B cop or your guys going around in a marked uh, patrol car yeah. don't. Um, so uh, there would be uh, some uh, what we call like plain clothes or kind of undercover cops uh, okay. that would have so the, like a detective uh, they would have a sidearm a handgun okay. and then we have uh, three different types we two or three different types of uh, uniformed armed uh, police so kind of like a SWAT team okay uh, so we have. Uh, a, a unit called uh, the emergency emergency response unit. Uh, so these guys are, you know, the elite. You know, they all kind of go around in balaclavas, have their identities hidden. Uh, they do kind of really high profile stuff. They train with the army, um, okay. as far as I know. And then we have a more. Uh, in recent years, we have um, uh, a, a high kind of a high profile uniformed uh, armed response unit. Um, so a couple of years ago, there was a very high-profile uh, shooting case in uh, a, uh, a hotel uh, at a boxing way in for a boxing match yeah. uh, between two kind of drug two drug gangs. One of them shot this one gang, shot this other guy, and a couple of other people, hmm. and that kicked off this big kind of gangland feud that's been carrying on for a couple of years. So as a response to that, as a response to that, uh, this armed uh, Armed response unit was set up, and you know, really high profile. Uh, yeah. And look, it's great, great to see. It's because you know uh, they're not always they're not always forced. I don't know exactly how they're deployed, but yeah. like that, they're not they're not sitting on every street corner. So okay. if something happens and there's a weapon. Now we've been to a couple of calls where there's a there's a the potential of a weapon, so a knife or something like that. Yeah. And uh, even the normal you know normal guards will hang on to. So these guys are, are close by before they'll go in, you know. Okay. Um, wow. Yeah, yeah. It's a, a, a different approach. Like walking through, you know, any any city in the US, you know, seeing what cops walking around and they've guns and tasers and you know, yeah. And um, the normal uh, the normal cops on the street over here have a pepper spray and a, one of the extendable buttons. Yeah. Oh, the ass. Yeah, the ass. Yeah, their ass uh -huh. and, uh, and their wits. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that's, what that's is that? what they have. What is that? There's a huge, <laughs> there is, there's a huge, there's a huge de debate of it. Everybody has their own kind of, mm. their own view on it, you know? Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's what they have. <laughs> okay. Wow. Hmm. So what kind of cool stuff do you have in your ambulance? So you have a Lucas? Does everybody have a Lucas? Yeah. So um, every, we have the Lucas 2. 
some mammals have the, have the Lucas tree. Um, and yeah. We have regular old Lucas. I know. I, no, we have, it has a number on it. I think it might be three. Oh. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. Uh, I'm going to look this up. Not, I, don't think there's, I don't think there's a huge difference between the two and the tree. Um, oh. The bar, the, bar the carrying case, uh, which is kind of plastic and wiped yeah. clean, which I think is a bit more practical. Um, so every ambulance will have a, every ambulance has a Lucas on it. Uh, every ambulance has a Life Pack 15. Um, I've seen you use a, you use a, a Zoll or a Philips, is it? Phillips. We use a Phillips. We yeah. used to use Life Pack. Yeah, we have one. Really? Pack. I don't like the and, Zoll. The Zoll. Uh, so some of the National Ambulance Service use the Zoll, and some of them use the Life Pack 15. Um, okay. Don't I don't know which which are why. They're uh, all the same. Yeah, I, I like the Life Pack. I think, I mean, the Philips is nice as well, but it has a lot of like nifty little things that we don't really use in day to day work. I think it's more for the hospital. Three. Yeah, we have the Lucas 3, right? But yeah. um, the Life Pack, I just, I don't know, I like the knob <laughs> better. I thought it was like a little more user friendly than yeah. the button. Oh, and the other thing, so you guys have different colored leads, right? You have like a yellow lead or something on your mind? Like for an EKG? For an EKG, yeah. So each of them, uh, so on the the four chest leads, yeah, uh, or the four limb leads, sorry, are uh, red, yellow, green, and black. And then the uh, precordial chest leads are all uh, different colors and numbered as well. Okay. Um, I suppose it's just like that. It's just to to helps it helps you getting. Okay. Yeah, because ours are Yeah, we have the red, yellow, green, green, and black, and then the. And our brown, brown one for V1. V1. But then the, the, the 12 leads are all the same color. So I was watching well, this ambulance show and I thought they were like a different color. The, so the, the, leads, the leads on the, 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 uh, the six precordial leads are all kind of gray with different colors and numbered on them, um, okay. I think. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and uh, then the limb leads, are, again, are, are different, different colors. Um, I've... God, again, God only knows why they're why they're that way. We just kind yeah. of go by the go by the little number on the back or force a habit now, you know. Um, yeah. But uh, we've we've never I've never used anything but the life pack. We used okay. to have the the old seven ten uh, AED, and then uh, we had life pack twelve, and then the fifteen came on. So uh, it's there's a couple of good things about it. It's kind of it's very robust. I think it's. A good way of putting it. Um, and the ones we have are kind of obviously tailored tailored to our needs. So uh, we have telemetry built into them all now. Okay. So we can send, we can transmit ECGs to uh, PCI centers around Dublin. Okay. Um, and of course, we usually have Entitle built into it. Uh, the latest around them have uh, have a port for uh a temperature probe, but we haven't we haven't got that yet, or I don't know yeah. what's coming on. I just Either, just yeah. not. Yeah. Um, but uh, no, look, it's, it's they all do the same job in the end, you know. Um, it's just mm-hmm. it, it, what we have. Uh, so yeah, they have the Lucas, the Lucas Life Pack, the same Lairdal suction unit that you have. Um, and uh, well, what else do we carry that would be you unique? The vacuum. Uh, no, just. Direct, uh, direct, uh, disposable laryngoscopes. Okay. Yeah, unfortunately. Uh, yeah. No, nah, not um, unfortunately. So I know that's what we have too. We do. Uh, too. Yeah. We I, just I think it would be fun bulbs. to play we with. We got it. LED bulbs, you know, a few months ago. So right, that's a um, whole new world for us. Some, yeah. I've seen some. I think it's the uh, is it the Ambu Air Track. Yeah, I'll send you uh, a video. So my kids' mom, they they just got the GlideScope ES. And it records you putting the tube in. And then after you upload it to your PCR. Right. So they can like nitpick your stuff. You I've seen know. a couple I've I did a I did a uh, a uh, like a, an airway management course after it qualifies and um, they went through a whole different range of different brands, manufacturers, yeah. things from Ambu, where you have like a an iPad size screen yep. and uh, um there's like two little knobs on it that you can you can uh, so you railroad uh, railroad the tube onto this and you use this like a little kind of movable bougie if you want to be a better word yeah um but uh, the McGrath uh, laryngoscope video laryngoscope I don't know if you've seen that um, yeah it's two and a half thousand it's two and a half thousand 
dollars, two and a half thousand euros. Uh, That's a lot, even more it, than dollars. Yeah, but so, it can be it, it can be used as a video and direct and like that. You can record and all sorts of stuff. But look, uh, yeah, there's a uh, there used to be uh, an anesthetist in Ireland. Uh, was a uh, he was very big in the motorcycle uh, road racing. I don't know if you're familiar with that. You know, like the Oil of Man TT. Yeah. Yep. So, um, Dr. John Hines, uh, he passed away sadly a few years ago uh, in a, in a motor uh, crash himself. Well, he gave this video on video versus direct ringoscopy, and he took the cheap disposable one at the start of the lecture, uh, set it up, checked everything was working on it, and dumped it in a bucket of water, and gave the lecture for twenty minutes, half an hour, mm. uh, and then at the end wow. he pulled it out. At the end he pulled it out, and it's still working. So mm. these kind of gadgets are are great in in the right setting but at the end of the day at half four in the morning when it's raining sideways this thing is going to work do you know what i mean yep. um, yeah so it was yeah. you know i would be a bit of a, a a tech nerd and a bit of a magpie when it comes to new gadgets and shiny things but at the end of the day what's you want something that's guaranteed to work yep. every time exactly. do you know what i mean so, you know like your batteries aren't going to fail you know you're not exactly. going to have connection you know, so, so so literally the ones we have come pre they're pre packed they're single use um, yeah. and they come see they're they're sealed uh, okay. the handles and the handles and the the blades all come separate and they're all sealed okay. so like that we carry each uh, advanced paramedic carries their own separate kit okay. uh, so again you're 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 responsible for your own uh, I actually have some pictures uh, Peter was asking for the uh, the rapid response card I'm on this week. But uh, we carry our own kind of ALS kit okay. uh, and all the B all the BLS kit then, uh, okay. and all the ambulances and trucks is the same. So again, you're responsible for your own kits. So you know, That's cool because then you can you, know, you set up your stuff and you're responsible yeah. for your stuff. We used to have that with our we call yeah. them like tech bags, and now they got away from that. And everybody there's like one bag for the unit. I can understand. I can understand. Look, it's it's cost of like in a in a in a in a forest service like us, it's cost prohibitive to give everybody their yeah. own individual gear. So the bags have to be kind of laid out to the same yep. standard as well. And like that, in in a blind panic, in a serious call, you need to know from muscle memory where you're reaching for yep. for what you know. So yeah. which I've noticed as well, like uh, with my the lads on my crew i kind of gave them a quick tour for one for a better word of, of my kit bags so look at yeah. what i asked for something they know where to go to get it yep. as opposed to usually what happens is everything just gets emptied onto the ground and we go okay right yeah. here <laughs> that's how i feel when i work on someone else's ambulance oh God, like if bro. peter's out like uh, a couple months back he had gotten hurt and so i had like different partners every day and my god Every time we had a job, and especially if it was like a real job, I felt like I was just digging through people's stuff. Like, what is this? You know, like yeah. some people are hoarders, so bro. disorganized. Yeah. Oh and, my god, but, hoarding and is Peter's real. And Peter's very, yeah. very organized. So, yeah. you know, our ambulance mostly maintains itself. You know, like it's sort of like we can always go in and find what we're looking for, and the other people on our same ambulance kind of like keep it they the bend. same, and we all they bend to my. Uh, I know he's so he's so yeah. like determined yeah. to keep it this way, but actually yeah. it is uh, it's helpful, and everyone knows where everything is. But I definitely have worked with other folks where I get on a job and I'm like, oh, I don't I don't see a nebulizer, I don't see this, or you know, and I'm, now I'm on a job and I'm like, okay, where is this stuff? You know, yeah, like absolutely, absolutely. I feel Look, like it this... should be here and it's not here. You know, like. Yeah. So. It's the same the world over. I've, I've often gone to work on on overtime or covering a shift, say on a different elements or the a different side of the city, and like that, you go to look for something, and in our station it's kept in this locker. On their station, it's not. You know what I mean? Yep. But look, that's yeah. you have to. You're only you're, you're only you're only there for a short for a shift. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, I finally that's realized that I'm like, this yeah. is my truck. <laughs> yeah, I'm just gonna make sure the bag is good, and then you know, and then we get another text from like, wow. This is immaculate, and it's yeah. like I'm impressed. And I'm yeah. like, oh, yeah. he'll he'll look at people's trucks and be like, yeah, can I take a picture of this? Like, because he wants to like see how they he can have, do this uh, back at our truck, yeah. you know. The theory, the, the theory across the the fire brigade is kind of this is kind of the same that every truck, every fire truck, and every ambulance is 
supposed to be laid out the same way within reason. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So that again, as I was saying to Peter before, so when I start working, I'm on the, the fire truck or, or the ambulance, your details, uh, a number and your number determines what gear you check and what jobs you kind of do. So the whole idea is that if I go to the south side of the city on an opposite watch and the station officer says, okay, right, you're number three on the, on the fire truck. Um, I know what I have to check and I know where it should be. Okay. Um, and like that, if I arrive at, a, at an incident and I go to say, uh, we park up our truck and we're using gear off another truck and I'm asked, okay, go get this within reason. I should know, yeah. should know where, where, where it is, it is. You know what I mean? Um, yep. look, that's not all, you know, that's, uh, it's not always the case if we're on a vehicle's out of service and it's you're on a reserve truck, yeah. stuff just gets, for, stuff just gets for it, yep. you know, but look, it's all at the end of the day, it's there somewhere. You just make it, make, yeah. it make yeah. a good effort to find it, you know, yeah. um, going back to, uh, what Pete was asking about, uh, what kind of gear we carry. Um, what got me in touch with Pete was the, uh, the vacuum mattress, uh, versus oh, your, yeah. your, your yeah. long spinal, stiff spinal parts. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, most, as far as I know, most ambulances in Dublin have them. Uh, maybe one or two mightn't have. It's down on, it depends on uh, locker size because it's so big. There has to be another uh, another part of this European standard I was talking about was that all the gear has to be secured in a locked locker. So if the vehicle's in a rollover, that stuff doesn't go flying and injure yeah. it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so everything has to be in a locked away in a in a cupboard for want of a better word okay. and the the vac mattress included so some of the lockers uh some of the older ambulances haven't got the locker space to take it so they're in the process of either swapping out the ambulance with a newer one or yeah. retrofitting so it can so a vast majority will, will will have them anyway but um it's been a game changer uh for 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 comfort for patients mm. who have you know either a back injury or a couple of limb injuries uh, yeah. or hip injury or anything like that, putting them onto this comfortable, ergonomically designed thing that fits with their body as opposed to what's essentially a load of floorboards stuck together, you know? Uh, yeah. It's, it's, um, but even for, car- I was talking to him uh, doing a night, senior post about trying to carry patients down stairs or uh, getting them into an elevator on, on a board, trying to secure them. You know, when they're wrapped up in this vacuum mattress and packaged properly, yeah. you can literally you can lower them down a lift shaft if you want. Wow. Uh, wow. Well, not not don't not. I mean, no, but yeah, well secure. We we, we do actually have we proper we have proper care for that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, oh. you could you can you can tilt them. You could you can bend them around. You know, yeah. uh, to to get them out, and it's way more comfortable um, mm. as opposed to being strapped down to this thing and having kind of loose. Ban, you know, stuff and packed in around you to try and make you go for it. I wonder if it's something we'll ever get. I mean, they have the vacuum splint. Like, I've seen the vacuum splints. I've worked in a few places, but yeah, you know, it's, they're expensive, you know, and then they get like one tear. So they they are, are yeah. There. They can, no, they can be, they can be, they can be repaired um, yeah. and we can. You know, if worst case scenario, if you have, if you're at a scene and it punctures at the scene, you can kind of enable it, uh, yeah. yeah, to get to get you out of a hole, um, or just leave the suction on it. Uh, but they are they are expensive, you know. Yeah. Um, but like that, every when it, when you as soon as it, as soon as you mention medical and equipment, the price goes up no matter what it is. You yeah. Know? Uh, yep. uh, so with the money they spend. Um, like, you know, I think what I don't know the life packs are what fifteen, sixteen thousand euros, if not Something, more. Yeah, like a, yeah. the price of a car, basically. Yeah. Pretty much, yeah. Um, the ambulances, the ambulances themselves, I think, are into the hundreds, hundreds yeah. or, te- or hundred thousand, you know. Um, uh, so, but look, it's uh, that's yeah. for the that's for way above my way above my exactly. pay grade. Above our just, pay grade. Just, just glad, just glad yeah. that you have the have the use of it. It makes our life much easier. Yeah. Um. You know, I've had a pediatric uh, pediatric call before, um, and trying to get kids lying down when they're when their heart is hard enough, but trying to get them onto a spine yeah. bars and a collar, the whole lot. So the back mattress is much easier, and you can form 
the they come the one we have has kind of like a almost like a pillow that can with two long parts that go down across the yeah. shoulder so you can literally mold this into a collar and all and the kids seem a little bit more you know if you coach them well enough they seem wow. to be a little bit more uh, uh acceptable of having this around them as opposed to you know strapping down tape yeah, across exactly. the forehead yeah. and you can't move you know yep. um yeah the only, like said, the only kids i ever got on that they were they were really bad yeah yeah, yeah. and it's yeah. I was gonna say like once there was one young girl, I mean this is years ago because tube televisions were still a thing, <laughs> but uh it was in a class classroom and it was like one of those giant televisions like up on a wall basically and it had fallen and it Jesus. luckily it fell and hit the ground first and then came up and hit her in the face and she was about seven years old and so we had to put, you know, a board and collar on her and I mean, like talking to her gently. At that point, I had just been a, a teacher prior to coming to EMS, like right, just okay. within a year. And so, like, I was able to kind of calm her down enough to get on there. And she was okay. I worked at I worked at a private school. I worked at a Montessori school. Clearly. Um, and then, Peter, be quiet. Um, anyway, when her mom came in, that's when all hell broke loose because then her mother was like totally freaked out by seeing her in this position yeah. and started crying and, you know, and then the kid was afraid and like, so well, she spends a lot of money to go to Montessori school too. Well, this wasn't a Montessori <laughs> school. I, I was a EMT at the time. No, I'm just this saying, but Montessori school. schools are really, they're like the bougie, you know, school. Well, they're very expensive. A lot of I money. mean, they're based <laughs> off a of, lot of money uh, to go there. So. Maria Montessori's teaching methods of self-sufficiency yeah. and stuff. Yeah, yeah, no, you spend a lot of money. You don't expect your kid to get hurt doing that. <laughs> People that had a flat screen TV for all that money. Exactly. <laughs> I don't think they really existed yet. This is like 2003 or 2004. You know, oh, there right. were way back, way back when, way back when. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So. so flip phones, they were doing T9 texting back then. We didn't have phones. No one had phones. Yeah. So what was the good not one? yet. Back then. <laughs> the good life, yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I was, was something I wanted to ask. It's coming in my head now. Um, oh yeah, you uh, when uh, Pete sent me over the T-shirt, which I'm modelling very well here. Uh, <laughs> you you had a packed in like a uh, it was like a, a oh a drug. A bag. All right. Yeah. yeah so, so I had to ask about that. So uh, <laughs> in some of the in some of the pictures I have to send you on, another thing we carry again as uh, all the ALS guys, we carry it. We have a shared medication bag, and okay. obviously we carry uh, so any of the control medications that we have to kind of sign out, like morphine or ketamine. Um, they have to be signed out every day. They have to be locked in the safe in a locker yeah. uh, on the ambulance and again on the car. So I was curious as to what's the story with this. Uh, are they? Seal, or is that only for where you use them? Or okay, so we carry we carry our narcotics on our person. So it's each, really each met. Yeah, I'll, I'll send you a thing. Um, but each person carries. It's like a little fanny pack, and it goes on your belt. And so you're responsible okay. for your medications. So each of us have the same medications. And then right when we do tour change, we give them to the other crew that's coming in. If it's a hand to hand, it's a hand to hand off, you know. thing. So you count and you check, you, you count your meds and you actually open the pouch. We know this from yeah, experience. Yeah. Check the so, expiration dates and yeah. all that. So you make sure that they're there. And then if, if there's nobody to relieve you, you put them in this pouch, in that sealed pouch. And then okay. you take the number and you write it on our, on our log. And then you seal it. And we all have keys to a special locker. In there, in our yeah. supervisor's office, and then it goes in there. So that, and then when you take way. it out, okay. you look and you make sure that the number's the same on both pouches. That the pouch wasn't open. So okay, and even the lockers, sure with it. we have our key. The supervisors have their own keys. It takes both keys to open the locker, oh. and that's where you put that little pouch. That's you know yeah. your name, your the unit you wrote on. Plus, it has that special number on it. Yeah. And so that way everything okay. can be verified and, and they can go back. But mostly those those packages, those plastic securement packages, that's only if there's no one to relieve you at the end of the yeah. tour. Otherwise, yeah. your relief, just you hand them your Takes drugs, they yeah. check them, yeah. and then we sign 
like they signed that I checked them and we signed yeah. that we gave them yeah. away. So we have something similar. So uh, so when I come on shifts, uh, if there's nobody, uh, if there's no ALS going on before to hand over to me, I just go to the the locker. It's it's a it's a combination lock, and then there's okay. a combination safe as well. Um, and I'll take them out, check that they're there, and what everything is there. We carry two. Uh, so in our station, we carry two sets. Okay. So every there should be a set of control medication for every vehicle in the station. So okay. one for the fire truck, one for the ambulance. Um, and we'd have to sign it out. Uh, and it has to be co-signed. Now, I just get, ah. it doesn't have to be, it can be anybody once it's okay. a witness. Um, so he witnesses while I sign out. Uh, and then they're mine. And then they go, uh, they're not carried on the person. They're carried in a safe on order the fire truck okay. or the ambulance. So I'd lock them in the safe. Yeah. Um, and then at the end of the shift again, if I don't, even if I hand over to uh, a, a medic on another uh, another watch coming on, I still have to go sign in yeah. what I took out, and he has to sign them back out again. So okay. we're burning through rainforest of paperwork, but it keeps yeah. everybody honest. And if yeah. I use any controlled medication, it's the patient's uh, details are put on it, so their name and their address, uh, and whoever witnesses. Whoever, so say if I drop, we carry 10, mil, 10 milligram amps of morphine. So if I drop 10, use six and throw away four, I have to be witness disposing the four. Yeah. And somebody has to, so I need a cosine of what I drew up, what yeah. I disposed of as well. So that you're not putting six of the patient and four yeah. in your pocket, you know. Uh, yeah. But look, it's good. It keeps, uh, it keeps. It keeps everybody honest. It's a good yeah. system, and it, it it's you know, um, it stops stuff going missing. Yeah. And then who restocks your in, stuff? Do you restock your narcotics and your stuff from the hospital, or no? It's all controlled. So the the fire brigades uh, have a, a district officer uh, okay. in charge of EMS, kind of admin for want of a better word. So he okay. uh, he buys in. He orders stuff from okay. uh, one of the, one of the hospitals in bulk. Okay. So all our stuff and our controlled meds as well. So if um, for every amp or every controlled med that I use, I have to send him back the form with okay. the witness, witness verified what I drew up, what I disposed of, okay. and the patient report form as well goes back okay. with it. And then he sends out. So he has a we have like an EMS store guy, yeah. and he will he will he'll be handed a an amp of controlled medication. He will sign for. It. He'll hand it to me. I sign for, it, and then I sign it back into our okay. station stock. Yeah, and he's so, and he go get that back to you within your shift before your end of your day. Some, sometimes, okay. sometimes. So you could be running, um, you could be running like light on your narcotics till he gets yeah. back. Okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, yeah. So uh, look, it it depends on you know obviously if, if you use a load of stuff at uh, six o'clock on a on a Friday evening, um. You might be going low, but again, like he's yeah. fairly flexible. Yeah, you can you could contact him and explain it, and then you yeah. can go to the uh, the headquarters, the central forest station in Tower Street. They carry a bigger store, okay. and you can swap out if if once provided he gives you permission for it, you can swap out your stuff once okay. he knows where where stuff is. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and it's all kept kept track of that way. So look, it's. It's, it works work for the time being until they come up with a better system. Yep. It's yeah. limiting exposure. Okay. You know, yeah, I, like, um, I mean, I think that's those are the ways to go. And I, I hope we're moving towards that. I mean, we have a, a larger system, but it seems that with the Lucas and everything we are, because, yeah. Yeah. you know, we're, we're trying to do this as a career. You don't want to cut your career short or illness, yeah. you know, exposure or injury with trying to do CPR on someone yeah. going out to the so, hospital, you know. Again, the, the, C, the cardiac arrest protocol for, for ourselves at the moment is full gown, uh, mask, uh, goggles, and, and or like a full face, full face shield, you know, two, two pairs of gloves. So wow, you know, literally standing there in that gear, it's, you're sweating and you're, mm -hmm. you're, you're working hard. So having to, and, Simon, are you folks doing? This is the COVID huh? protocol, or this is in general for an arrest? No, this, is the, this, is the, this is the COVID protocol. COVID okay. Protocol at the moment, yeah. yeah. Are you but folks still then adhering to that? That's what you're doing currently. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, uh, even 
a cardiac arrest this morning and uh, we pulled up outside. There was already a fire truck and an ambulance uh, in attendance. So they had two, uh, one or two, like one advanced paramedic in there. So he was in kind of had mechanical CPR device, had the life pack 15, had everything in there. So we were kind of saying, look, uh, normally everybody kind of barrel in, everybody wants to help and yeah. Yeah. do whatever we can. But he was like, no, look, we're on top of it in here. We have some mechanical uh, CPR device on. We have yeah. a scribe. We have ALS ongoing. So we look, you can stay outside for the time being. If we need you, we'll, we'll get you in. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's it's strange times, you know, chatting about yeah. to, to, to Pete the last time. It's, it's a complete change in the way we do our work the ethos in the fire brigade is everybody gets stuck in and gives a hand to get the job done yep. and now you're kind of saying look no we'll we'll keep guys outside and uh you know you have a couple of guys in there doing manual cpr because sometimes the lucas doesn't fit sometimes it's in an awkward spot you know it's yes. always kind of stuck down between the, the toilet and the bathtub yeah you gotta gotta go in and you gotta get pumping on the chest yeah. so you can get things started it's yeah. hard working that it's hard working that gear you know um yeah it's it's uncomfortable. Uh, the the goggles fog up. You can't see what you're yeah. doing. <laughs> and if you have glasses like we do, I feel like it yeah, makes yeah, it yeah. extra weird. And then nothing of the struggle. Yeah. <laughs> well, look. But even even the even the guys that that don't wear. So everybody in Dublin Fire Brigade was issued a pair of like safety glasses and then yeah. like, safety ski clear kind of ski goggles with the strap behind the head. For, for these particular so we were all given one um, but so even those guys like the sweats yeah the sweats rolling down the, in, the yep. inside you can't see what you're doing there's guys wheels and needles and IO guns and trying to you know yep. it's, yeah. it's hard work you know it's a huge temptation to kind of take a peek or do whatever you know but <laughs> you have to keep you have, you, you have to keep it on yeah uh, yeah and mm -hmm. it's tough you know as I said even 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 standing in a room with that gear is hot. You've got to be yeah. walking oh, yeah. and you're stressed and then family members are shouting at you and, okay, when, you know, keeping track of stuff is hard, you know, but look, I say we just have to keep keep struggling. We'll, we'll get there in the end, you know? Yeah. I know. Yep. Knock on wood. So your IOs, do you, do you guys do chest IOs too or just the, the humerus and the leg? No. So we do, uh, uh, we have the easy, easy IO gun. Yeah. Um, and we do uh, tibial and humeral head. Okay. Okay, um, that's what we do. Uh, yeah, we have the same thing. Yeah. And the big giant red writing on every package saying not for not for sternal oil. I've seen the little device that the army medics use yeah. over there use kind of one push. It looks yeah. nasty. Yeah. I can look nasty, um, right? I don't know if I could do that. So um, I just darted somebody's chest the other day. Yeah. Whew. Oh, needle decompression. Yeah, yeah, I pulled that thing out, and the guy's like, "Where are you gonna put that?" I was like, "Don't look." I know. Yeah. I feel yeah. bad. That thing is, that's a harpoon, bro. It's so, it's, it looks so, um, hopefully I never have to endure it, but, uh, <laughs> the, uh, yeah, the, it look, it's, uh, kind of some, again, our, our protocols is, to, is, you know, during cardiac arrest is to get access or the yeah. IV or IO as soon as possible. I used to just go straight for the tibia. Um, and it's kind of grand because you can stay out of the way. When I'm, mm -hmm. you know, when everything's kind of settled in, I prefer to kind of stand off a little bit just to yeah. watch what's going on, make sure, you know. Um, I always tell one of the guys, look, if I, you know, if I'm not paying attention, remind me in a couple of minutes, in three or four minutes, I need to push another epi or for every two minutes, remind me for a rhythm check because I'm going to be yeah. up, to, yeah. up to my eyeballs in it, you know. So it's, but uh, I did a, uh, a course in the UK um, the manufacturer did like a, a, a free course. You had to get there, of course, but the, yeah. you, uh, on, uh, it was a cadaver lab on IO access and uh, gave me a bit more confidence with the humeral heads, IO, yeah. about yeah. proper insertion, you know, because yeah. you know, during the, during the ALS training, you know, we were given kind of, you know, here's the, the little practice part and here's how you landmark and yeah. what to actually practice on somebody you know uh your first cardiac arrest or your second cardiac you have so much going on yeah it's so yeah. easy to kind of go but it, when they took the time explained you got to practice you got to practice on actual uh actual body parts body. and tissue yeah. you know and um, 
so I've had success with it uh, the last couple of times. So I've, I've had an arrest and needed IO access. So yeah, I found it very, very useful, you know. Um, you can't, again, they're all different, you know. If you've got yeah. two or three guys trying to sort out an airway, you're only going to get in their way when you have another, you know, yep. uh, even another access point further down out of their way. So it's like, look, like everything else, uh, it's, it's ABC, you know. Yeah. I always, you know, you sort the airway out, yeah. sort the compressions out, and then we'll get to the IO stuff, you know. Yeah. Um, uh, I know a, a colleague in the National Ambulance was, was telling me before when it came to like intubation and, you know, paramedic and AP is trying to intubate and he's like, okay, stop pushing on the chest. And they're like, oh, no, I'm not. I keep going. You can get the airway if you get the airway, but I'm, you know, so they'll, they'll die of patients die from lack of ventilation and oxygenation, not lack of intubation, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Yep. That's, look, if POSA comes with, comes with experience, I'm still only alone. As, as long as the fire brigade and in the EMS as I am, I'm still only kind of very early on into my ALS journey and ALS career, yeah. you know. Um, so, uh, yeah, you're kind of always learning as, as I go, you yeah. know. Yeah, even I think for us, we still are learning, you know. You never know what there's you're going to run new into. ways. And that's the thing is like, you know, if you've just worked at the fire department, there's a whole other world out there. Yeah. You know, so and talking and to all kinds of people, you know, like our friends in Pittsburgh, they dart everybody with a chest injury, you know, like, Jesus, right. Okay. And they just, they're telling me, they're like, yeah, man, we drop darts all the time. I'm like, wow. I know. So look like everything is, is it necessary? You know, uh, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be an advocate of doing something just for the sake of it or cause, or because you can, or because you yeah. know, it's something to, yep. to, to talk about, you know, um, yeah. there's a lot of people that do that. You know, just because you can doesn't mean you should. You know, yeah. like, like just because they're tachycardic doesn't mean you know you go lighten them up. Yeah, yeah I, mean, I would be a big, big advocate. Yeah, I'd be a big advocate of are your intentions honorable? Like, what are you going? Are you doing it? Are you doing yeah. it for the right reasons? You know, and look, it's. Uh, I'm sure you could kind of talk talk your way out of it if you if you were knowledgeable enough and. You know, but like that, you don't want to be walking into the department, into the emergency department, going, "Yeah, I've done this, I've done that." The doctor in the room for the people goes, "Well, why?" You know, and yeah. you got, well, well, just because. Yeah. So, um, you know, absolutely. Look, if it's clinically clinically indicated, yeah, for yeah. crack on, but throwing stuff in just just because there's a there's a chest injury, I think is uh, if I was a, if I was a, a patient and I had a, a minor enough chest injury and a guy was coming at me with one of those pneumocat needles will be mm. get away from me or I'm sticking yeah. that into you, you know? <laughs> uh, it's, uh, but look, sure, it is what it is. There's, yeah. there's all sorts uh, out there. Yeah, there's yourself. different ways for everywhere, you know? Yeah, I mean, for us, our protocol was always, like, it's gotten a little more um, free with it, but it used to be that if you had a chest injury, like a gunshot wound or stabbing, uh, you couldn't, you know, auscultate lung sounds on one side, and eventually you saw like a tracheal shift or deviation. But then they took that out, and now it's just basically like you know respiratory distress, uh, lack of lung sounds. Yeah. Which yeah. makes sense. They'd but have to the, be. Yeah, yeah they'd the have to be tensioning. Like, yeah. like it's a lot. Like it's tracheal shift is the last one of the yeah. last. Yeah, like the lines. I think it was so late, and it was like it was we were trying yeah. to be sort of prudent with like doing that and that was why that was the wording but yeah. people needed it sooner than their trachea was actually yeah. you know deviating yeah so uh, now um, they've taken that part out but you know it's for us we don't do it for every single mm-hmm. like you really are constantly listening and making sure and if you're not yeah. sure you know it's not really necessary like unless they're in bad shape and their sacks are plummeting and all this other stuff yeah, like the only kind of standard one we do for is for a traumatic uh, cardiac arrest with injuries to the chest. You yeah. do it as a matter, you know, as a matter of course. But uh, no, they'd really have to be, they'd really have to be certain, certain in the drain and till yeah. you know, clinic, again, clinically indicate because you're gonna walk, you're gonna walk into the emergency departments and they'll if you've, I know how they say uh, it's even if even if even if there's not one there. You'll uh, what was the way the doctor doc put it me before? You're, you're gonna, they're gonna get one by you, by you darting them anyway. Um, and you'll, you'll, ne- they say it's an, an x ray you should never see. Uh, pre or we brought a patient in before, um, who had been uh, in respiratory arrest and like that, listened to the chest, 
completely absent on one side. I was kind of like, okay, here's my uh, another ALS colleague. I was like, okay, you have a listen. He goes, are you sure? I'm going, is this what we think it is? And one of the guys placed uh, an MPA and just started bagging them up. And he was really hypoxic. Yeah. And his stats came up and his GCS came up. He came up to GCS 14. And we were like, yeah. okay, well, look, have a listen again. Okay, still nothing there. Uh, what's, yeah what's his pressure he's tacky okay we're like okay right let's, let's just we're stable now we have yeah. a we have a line in let's just go we're like yeah. six or seven minutes from the hospital and then came back later on and then there's the x-ray you know uh so but they decom i think they decompressed them in the hospital and it didn't solve it so we had to have we had to have the chest drain, you know and they're saying yeah. you know he's going to get it once you decompress the chest he's getting a chest drain anyway yeah yeah but um as i said we were kind of two of us kind of looked at each other and go okay okay well he's starting to pick up the gcs now yeah, yeah. uh okay right look, come on, look, let's just go you know um yeah. but uh i suppose been able to go back in and chat to the doc see the x-ray you're going to go okay well, look if it happens again and i'm further out it's a bit more yeah be a bit more comfortable doing yep. it you know um but uh yeah like that just throwing it in just for the sake of it yeah i don't really think you can stand over that you know we have to get adam on here because he knows more about this i know they, adam, they're they're, they're like super progressive over there so they have ems they force doors and all kinds of crazy stuff so their ambulance <laughs> is allowed to do everything yeah they so. do more than i guess yeah. the firefighters like they really are in charge of like all yeah, they do of all rescue anything rescue EMS does it. So really, okay. Yeah, they do extrication yeah. in their city. Yeah, in their city. Yeah, they do extrication, elevator rescues, high angle, low angle, trench. Whereabouts is this, right? Pittsburgh. In Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh. Pennsylvania. Oh, okay. It's so. It, I don't want to say it's so random, but it kind of is. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they have a pretty intense system yeah. over there. Yeah. Um, they got rescue trucks and everything. So yeah, yeah Dublin will be kind of unique in the way. Uh, we have our fire-based EMS system, you know, because like, we look after, from the fire side, we look after, you know, hazmat, we look after road traffic accidents. Um, outside Dublin, uh, certain brigades, uh, I don't think certain brigades have kind of some EMS training, kind of like yeah. first responder slash EMT, but, you know, if there's a, if there's a, like a, a hazmat incident, they they look after some aspects of it, and the National Ambulance Service then have hazmat suits and okay. hazmat gear as well, and they yep. kind of do. So Dublin is certainly is unique in that way, um, I suppose as well. Even for as as a firefighter getting into a hazmat suit and going in, or getting into a breathing apparatus and going into a fire, yeah. you have your you have your background knowledge in EMS and rocking up on an ambulance to uh, a working fire while they're taking somebody out of it you have your firefighter header on you know you know them yeah you know what you you know what the what the guys the the ba team are doing inside you know or inside and where they're going to do where they're going to go and all that kind of stuff you know so it's good to have insight into into uh each of the different roles yeah i agree yep. so do you guys so you guys have like separate hat like you have like a hazmat unit and like a rescue Right, like a rescue company and stuff like that. So I was watching yeah. something yesterday. Uh, so. so we would have. Uh, so every firefighter has, you know, a, a background knowledge in in hazmat incidents and hazmat training. Uh, every fire appliance in Dublin carries uh, a gas toy suit. So if we turn up and you're the first truck there and there's a casualty, you can done put the gas, put gas tight suit on, go in and rescue yeah. them. Or if it's a case of they need, you know, if it's a spill and substance needs to be identified, okay, you can get this and go into into the area. But okay. then we have a bigger hazmat unit then that we can call out okay. uh, for longer instance has better decontamination yeah. equipment, showers, all that kind of stuff. Okay. Um, and then the the kind of heavy rescue or emergency tender it's called uh, okay. over here. Uh, again, there's one on the north side of the city, one on the south side of the city, and that would have uh, bigger uh, cutting equipment for road traffic accidents, bigger jacks and hydraulics for lifting okay. stuff, bigger airbags, uh, water rescue equipment. Um, so we get a, a big uh, articulated truck, like a forty foot truck, uh, with a, you know the high cabs. Yeah. It has like a 
a little platform that can be set up to work off. Okay. Um, I have uh, I have a picture of it. Actually, I must I must send on to you uh, okay. from from an instant. Uh, like that. It, it, so all this cutting cutting equipment is very bulky, very heavy, very hard yeah. to work. So trying to work with it over your heads is an absolute nightmare. So these platforms are great. So you can, if you're on a big motorway, yeah, you can pull up, set this gear up. Once everything costs safe to do so, you can set all this gear up, and lads can get up and um, much better, much safer for for the for the guys doing the cutting to to work. Okay. You know, um, but yeah, it carries all, all sorts of all sorts of yeah, extra 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 equipment and other little. How many guys are on it? Two, right? Uh, so you got one guy driving. Yeah. Uh, you'll have an officer, uh, officer in charge of the vehicle, and then uh, you'll have one, one guy in the back. Oh, wow. um, okay. So they carry. So every every truck, uh, every fire truck in Dublin has an officer on. You know, have okay. a, a sub officer or a station officer. And they go to fires too, or they just do? They do, yeah. So um, we have this thing called uh, a PDA, so a predetermined attendance. Okay. Uh, so based on what, so when the call comes in and the operators taking the uh taking the call depending on what he puts in uh he'll get say so your standard fire uh so say there's like a uh what would you say like a, a fire alarm so if you've got a, like a, a shop or uh something like that like the fire alarm goes and an automated fire alarm comes in from monitoring company okay. you'll get two you'll get two fire engines and a district officer in a car um, okay. and that's your standards PDA okay. for that but if a house fire comes in it's three fire engines and a district officer okay. and then if it comes in as a person's reported so there's somebody in it or they think there's somebody in it yeah. the PDA gets upped again so it's three fire engines uh, the district officer and then it's added on the emergency tender and an ambulance so there you okay. go that's the that's the PDA for okay. for uh, domestic fire with persons reported and then obviously then if you're into industrial fires, uh, uh, warehouses, yeah. uh, it gets bigger again or any any kind of high rise or hotels, they send an aerial appliance. So they'll send a turntable ladder to the houses okay. as well. So it's all kind of, we yeah. have a whole, we have a whole separate uh, wing of the fire brigades that uh, uh, called fire prevention. So these guys will have officers and assistant chiefs and they go out, yeah. they do inspections and based on, the size of the building, the occupancy, where it is, what risks are in it. So, is there any okay. chemical storage or any yeah. big, big, big thing at the moment in uh, in Ireland and in Dublin is uh, hand sanitizer. So, with kids going back to school, schools are buying vast quantities of hand sanitizer, and then where are they going to store it? So, the average, I think the the World Health Organization minimum has to be seventy percent alcohol. Uh, so, mostly, alcohol. yeah, most of the most of ones you buy. Yeah, most of the ones are kind of seventy-eight percent. I think uh, yeah. that's one, one of the shops telling me. Um, so where are they going to store this? Mm. Uh, so that'll all kind of have to be reviewed. There's a big wow. kind of social media. Yeah. There's a big. We have a new social media wing of the fire brigade as well. I think they're doing a big push on this. Uh, they yeah. have done already. Uh, we had a guy on the on the on the news, you know, saying about the, the dangers associated with yeah. liquids, all this kind of stuff. Have so, you had anybody drink it yet? You ever seen anybody drinking that stuff? Yeah, they usually mix it with uh, Coca Cola, or some of them will drink. The hardcore, hard, hardcore guys, hardcore guys will drink it neat, but uh, some oh of the, some of the guys, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh that's, I don't know that's, why that's, that's, like, oh man, we had somebody give us this whole. They get with the guy said, "Oh, you guys need hand sanitizer? Give us a gallon of it from like a whiskey company." Remember that, Joel? Yeah, that's, yeah. We've had them. Yeah, Smells like had tequila. Over Smells like tequila. Whiskeys, uh, whiskey distilleries and gin distilleries have been making hand sanitizer for. Yeah. Uh, uh, when there was a shortage of it in, in yeah. early on, uh, one or two of them made it specifically for Dublin yeah. Fire Brigades, and uh, yeah. very, very generous of them. Yeah, it smells yeah. good. So, mm -hmm. but uh, yeah, as I say, getting back to what you were saying, so depending on what's what's in what building, uh, this is all uploaded into the computer, and then when mm -hmm. you punch the address in, it should in theory tell you what the response should be. be okay. you know, that's nice. That's yeah. A, yeah. Yeah, so we have like the same thing. So, but the amount of guys that you'll see, it'll, it would blow your mind. So Yeah, I've always kind of, I've always wondered, you know, uh, I've seen some of the FDNY Instagram kind of stuff. Uh, there's a FDNY 24-7 Instagram feed. Yeah. Uh, 
and yeah, numbers you guys certainly throw. You've lots of boots on the ground. Um, yeah. I've always wondered, uh, Pete. I don't know. Maybe you could tell me the, what's your kind of approach to to uh, be you know guys going into it for NBA. Like, do you have entry control or who goes where or the guys have, just rock right, up and so get to they, work? So, um, I'll I'll go for like where I volunteer at. So okay, we have. We all have tags that tell you like yeah. if you're on the truck. So you, you give your tag in and then essentially yeah. everybody you like you have your job, like a riding position, yeah. and then everybody goes in. So the only person who usually stays outside is like the chief and the driver. And, okay. And if like during the day, like where I volunteer, if it's shorthanded, the driver's going to work. So you're gonna set up the pump and then you're gonna go to work. So you're gonna do something Maybe. outside. Mm-hmm. So regardless of when I, so when I say entry control from so when we uh so say you have an you have an apartment block and it's four stories and you have a bedroom on four in the fourth floor yeah. so we we depending on where uh, the easiest point to set up is we'll send up uh entry control so nobody goes past the entry control officer in theory uh without wearing a breeding apparatus set yeah. and then he records he takes their individual tags off okay. their distress unit marks yeah, yeah. their Checks their name, the time in air pressure, all that yeah. kind of stuff. Uh, I just wonder. I've seen some of the big scenes, like where guys are flocking in. It seems very hard to keep track of who's going where. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of there's someone who does take note of everything. Yeah, you have like they your, set up a table, and uh, the right. chief will be there and their aide, and they're kind of marking everything down and mapping it out. But it's so a lot. Have a, to keep. You'll have one guy kind of dedicated to keep track of all these guys and where they're yeah, going. Yeah, they have like a track. If it gets like yeah, a bigger... on both sides, I think there's usually yeah. someone keeping track, like on EMS and on the fire suppression side. Right. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So it gets it gets interesting. So like once you start adding more units and stuff like that, so then they add like more chiefs. So yeah, like a resource. There's like a resource officer. The worst thing is like. I don't know much about FDNY and how they, how they do. Really? Stuff. Okay. No, I know stuff about other places more than that. Okay. Right. So, yeah. So. Just cu- curious as you, uh, I suppose you, you think like people think over here, you know, you see FDNY on the side of the ambulance, you see Dublin yeah. Fire on the side you know, you think that is a kind of. I mean, we're technically all under <laughs> the same. The same name. You know, it's like those families, you know, where everybody has the same name, but right, okay. I don't, you know, so. Yeah. But the thing is, like, if you want to get on fire quicker, you come to EMS. So you get right, you okay. on fire a little bit quicker. So, you know, it's good and it's bad. So, you know. Huh. It's all good. It's all good. <laughs> yeah. You know, while you're here, just, uh, just do the right thing. So. Yeah. You know, and don't, okay. don't forget us when you go to the fire truck. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's the worst thing. That I can't stand. So. All right. Um, we have You've been listening to the Rush the Bus podcast. Thanks for staying on for the whole time. And we hope that you subscribe. Like. Like us. Tell your friends. Go on Instagram. Yeah. Do all the things. Thanks. Bye. Rush the Bus. Behind us. 744 Case Avenue. 760 Case Avenue. 74.